You're listening to the EBITDA Growth Systems Making Business Profitable podcast with profitability experts Dave Kapkowitz and Mike Watkins. Coming at you from 5,675 feet in lovely Golden, Colorado. My name is Dave Kapkowitz and I'm here with Michael Watkins living our mission statement to impact lives through improving business performance. We accomplish this by coaching, speaking, and educating so you can live your best life. Good day, Dave. Good day, Michael. How you doing, buddy? All right, man. How you doing? I I just got through putting a lot of money and tires in my cars, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh that's unfortunate. What uh, what what happened? What do you got going? Well, well I I I live up on the mountain where there's a lot of snow, so I have winter tires, right? That you talked me into for my safety. And then I have summer tires. And I had another season left of my summer tires, but when they took them off my car, they punctured the sidewall. And the tires in our wheel drive vehicle they need to match at least fronts and backs they need to match well yeah on all cars you should have the matching on one axle yes so the back axle was kind of like it was kind of borderline you know i probably should change those but i was going to get a couple miles out of them because i was being a little cheap but the one they punctured was one of the good ones in the front so i was just like son of a mother duck so i go in here and i get my uh get the price for these tires right and i just say put some tires on it what were they? <laughs> They're Pirelli Scorpions. And uh, so I come in, and Mike's like, should have called me. But yeah. I do call Mike every once in a while, and it's usually like, hello, you've reached Mike Watkins. This is my voicemail. Leave a message. Beep. So Yeah, but that would have been one of those times you should have taken a chance. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, so, so Mike just says, ooh, I bet that hurt. <laughs> You're going to feel that for a minute. So the next day. My wife's vehicle's in there, and it's like, you need tires. So I look at the tires, and she really needed tires. We don't drive her vehicles much. So she really needed tires. She had uh, she had about 60,000 miles on those tires. Yeah. And uh, and so Mike's like, watch this. And we go to Discount Tire Online, and we pop in the model of the tire and everything else like that. And then we get a price. And I call the dealership back, and I say, hey, you're $500 high. The dealership's like, that's okay. I'll match that new price. And they matched it, and they put tires on that car. So, And what did you get? You got some Michelins. I got Michelins. I yeah. Got Latitude, at HP, <coughs> LTs, whatever. It's a really no, nice tire. a good tire. So, uh, yeah. So, for all those listening, if you're looking at tires on a vehicle, discounttire.com. Get, type in the tire, get some pricing, and use that against the dealership to make sure they match your price. Otherwise, you could you could lose 500 bucks like like I most yeah. likely did. But... But I will give it to give it to Audi. They for the tire they punctured, they paid for. Yeah, but they put the uh, Pirellis. I, we're not. We're not. You should have called me, man. We're not going to put you in Pirellis it, anymore. It, it. Well, it's it's what happens when I drift as much as I do. Yeah, there you go. So, what are we going to talk today? You know, I think we should talk about how to deal with time theft. Time theft. Time theft. I think uh, it's happening more and more, um, both with cell phones. Um, and with working remotely, I think it's something that owners need to operate with eyes wide open. Oh, you mean employee time theft? Employee time theft. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think I think um, 
not like, hey, a telemarketer's calling you and you're stealing my time. No, like employee time theft. I'm sure. paying you and sure. you aren't doing what you're getting paid to do. Well, we talk about time theft on the floor. You got your machinists, you got programmers, you got setup people, you got quality people. What does that look like? Well, um, first off, employees are really smart. I mean, a lot of people like to talk to talk about employees like they're not as smart, but employees are really, really stinking smart. So when you say, hey, I bid the job for six hours, and they go get the job done in six hours, but they're clocked on the clock for 10 hours that day, you got to be able to answer, what do you do the other four hours? Because if I just clocked in and clocked out that job, that six hours, I was 100% efficient, wasn't I? So it looks like I'm killing it, but I had four hours. So um, what I hear more and more is, hey, I have employees in the restroom 30, 40 minutes to an hour at a time on their phone, surfing, surfing, whatever, listening to TikTok, doing whatever. Um, even the, I, had an, I had a client catch somebody watching a movie in the bathroom. That is the definition <laughs> of time theft. That's so, so it's, first off, you have a culture where people self-police. If you don't have that, it's really hard to, hey, you were in the bathroom an hour. Well, I have IBS. So you don't really want to get into that, right? Because it's just a crappy thing, right? Ha, well, ha, very ha, funny, ha. yeah. But if you have earned hours, there's a way to just get away from the drama, get away from all the garbage, and just measure off earned hours. Hey, you work 10 hours. You work 40 hours this week, and you were clocked in the jobs 38 hours. Totally acceptable. Right. If you're above 80 percent, if you're pl- clocked in the jobs at 80 percent of the time during the week, you're logging your time. You're good. So you get how many how many hours somebody earns first. OK, so I pay you for 40 hours and you're clocked in a job for 40 hours. OK, that's number one. Then number two, on all the jobs you're clocked in for 40 hours. What was your efficiency? Hey, you're 100 percent efficient here, 130 percent efficient here, 20 percent efficient here. OK, let's sit down and talk about it. Yeah. Why yeah. were you 20 percent efficient? What? Did I, how did I not set you up for success here? What do I need to do to help you out? You know what? Well, well, no big deal. Okay, well, then why did it take you 10 hours to do a two-hour job? Sure, sure. Let me understand that. That's not acceptable. And And all of a sudden, if you're watching movies for two hours in the bathroom. It catches up with you. You can't. You can't because the math won't lie. Sure. Right? Yeah, and and, and I I like that, Dave, because... uh, the worst part about that is these guys are quoting as if they were 100% efficient oh. or that their earned hours were at 100%, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, can't figure out why they don't get the gross margins they need. Why am I winning 98% of all my work? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because uh, my profit's like 0.5%. Right, because you're quoting as if you're 100% efficient. And uh, you're down at 50% or earned hours is around 50%. So it takes you twice what you're quoting. Yeah, you should really, I mean, figure out how many hours you earn in a week and then use that as a percentage to your real uh, output or your capacity. And then quote like that is your work week. That's all the hours you have to work on. And you can kind of back into that. But using earned hours and efficiency as a combination, um, you can kind of get away from floor time theft. I don't think that's very hard. I think when it comes into back office positions, whether it's sales and marketing, bookkeeping, CPAs, HR, because people all have those back office people. And, uh, you know, some of those positions, especially in the last three years, have gone remote. 
Well, Dave, if I could go off the reservation for a second or go off on a tangent, but here we go. um, Here we go. In my estimation, if you're a machine shop and, you know, and you're in the sweet spot for our customer base, which is, you know, 3 million and 10 million, um, you make parts, you're a machine shop and that's your core business and you do that. Uh, your back office is not your core and and you should you should outsource it okay so if i have hr if i have a bookkeeper if i have a salesperson and i'm seven million dollars does that mean i need to go into more and fire him um you ready for that curveball yeah yeah i i'm I'm not i'm not sure about firing them but perhaps i mean you know it's a you know if they've been with you for a long time yeah because by now they're making eighty thousand dollars right you're paying a, a bookkeeper $80,000 when if you were to outsource it, it might cost you $15,000 an hour. Uh, $15,000. <laughs> $80,000 a year, I should say. Versus $15,000 a year. Versus $15,000 a year. Well, it depends. It depends because what naturally happens in machine shops, you have scope creep. So I have a bookkeeper, and bookkeeping, they do bookkeeping for five hours a day or four hours a day yes. and the other four or five hours a day they're entering job orders and sales orders doing customer contacts so be careful what you do um but if you're sub 10 million i'm okay with you having a bookkeeper i think that's smart i don't think a, i don't think it's a problem having a bookkeeper if you're sub 5 million or if you're sub 3 million you probably shouldn't have a bookkeeper you should be farming that out i would agree with you sure but if you're over 5 million i think you should have a bookkeeper at least now a CFO or a CPA, I I would say you never, never have that on staff unless you're uh, a $50, 60000000 million company. Actually, a CPA, I know. You want a CFO at that you point. You don't, you don't want a CPA. CPA is a separate firm that audits your books, makes sure you're writing your taxes, and makes sure everything's good. If somebody's a CPA, I mean, that's not necessarily, that's not always an advantage to have in your business because they're not doing necessarily your tax work. You want that outside anyway. But Dave, uh, we always talk about percentages and, you know, some of it is gut feel, some of it is research, but I'm going to say that in terms of our interface with small to medium-sized businesses, 40 to 60% of them have a CPA doing their bookkeeping. Uh, and that's $150 an hour to do $20 an hour work. That's or even a really, really good fractional bookkeeper, seventy-five bucks an hour. That's really good. I mean, so um, like we we outsource. We have uh, fractional bookkeepers, but our bookkeepers in ten hours do what most bookkeepers do in twenty or thirty hours. So it's and they've done it for hundreds and hundreds of companies. That's a little different, but one hundred and fifty, two hundred dollar an hour to pay someone to do bookkeeping is just that's theft too. Yes, and the worst part about it is when we get a hold of those financials, that $150 oh, Well, it's not to industry standard. Put, yeah, it's not the industry standard. They don't understand industry standard. They just understand what the tax people need, right? Yeah. So it's kind of like hiring, let's just bring up Aaron Rodgers, you know, your all-time favorite quarterback, um, or Dan Marino, better yet. Dan Marino Dan is Marino. better. So yeah. it's kind of like bringing Dan Marino in to be a lineman. It just doesn't make sense. It yeah. just doesn't make sense. So, 
uh, you know, I'd, a good friend of mine would say it's like wiping before you crap. You know, it doesn't make any sense. But anyway. Uh, Dave, uh, <laughs> this is a PG, man. Is it, though? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we're working with machine shops, and sometimes machine shops don't see PG. Mm. And, but I said crap, so there you go. Um, sales and marketing. In internal, if you have sales and marketing and you're $3 million, just $5 million, $6 million, hold off, man. Um, I think fractional sales, bringing, having, we have a client that does that, and hiring someone to bring in leads and, and use those leads to quote and grow. There are a lot of programs that cost a lot less than 60, 90 grand a year, 100 grand a year for a salesperson, unless you have such a sweet setup to where it's almost all commission only. Yeah, that's it. You know, there's yeah. I, I, we the have guys a, willing to sign up to a commission a, only. We have a friend in Maryland that wrote up a really good deal, very low base, like twenty five, thirty thousand dollar year base. But the commission, man, if you bring in five, six million dollars, you're gonna make really good money. And I think that works in in the sales side, but really if you're gonna have a full time salesperson, I think you should be close to ten million dollars if you don't have a really sweet commission structure like that. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. You know, what about HR? What about that HR function? Um, HR, um, between ten and twenty million dollars, I think you need to have inside. Um, HR depends on your culture, man. I, I, but, but I'll be honest with you. I've been in one place that I had an HR person that was so good, you know, and uh, and she we've had her on the show early, and she she was a gatekeeper. We were probably sixteen million dollars. And she maintained the attitude. She let the GM know, hey, this is going sideways. You should address this. Paperwork was tight. She held the managers accountable to make sure if they were writing somebody up, they were doing it right. They were following up with stuff. She she really held people accountable. So it was very actionable HR. Um, that said, 30 years, I've only seen one. Yeah. That, that's kind yeah. of a unicorn. But HR, I mean, outsourcing HR is the way to go between – zero and almost 20 million dollars yeah whether you use a peo or you use a payroll service uh that offers some hr um support but um, you know if you're between three million and ten million and you have an hr person and that's their sole role um i don't think they have a full-time job they better be doing something else to help the shop so all that said mike there's something and you say it all the time and and i've pretty much Adopt, ad, adopted that saying as my own. Mm-hmm. Clear and unambiguous expectations. If you have somebody working in your organization, because right now, sales, bookkeeping, CPA, work in HR, a lot of those people have gone remote. Yes. Okay. And if they're remote, you should have clear and unambi- unambiguous expectations, and you should have clear metrics to really measure how much work is getting done, and you need to come up with some kind of objective data to make sure that you're getting exactly what you're paying for. Because today, we're finding remote workers working two and three jobs, doing a third of the work, and and just running that course, right? Absolutely. And so you need to be careful with that. And the only way to get around that is to build to have clear and unambiguous expectations with clear metrics to know exactly what that is. If you are ten ninety nineing somebody and you're paying them for a job, same thing, right? If you have, well, we have a bookkeeping service, right? But that bookkeeping service has a list of priorities and a list of things that we're going to do every month and how many hours we're going to associate with that. So there has to be, at the end of that, a, a objective data around the work product. Yeah, or you, 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 uh, you certainly have a feel for 
what you should get for this amount of money. That's right. When you're when you're looking at a 1099, so 1099. The beautiful thing about 1099 is you can employ them, and if they don't do good, you can get rid of them. You get rid of them. You don't have to deal with HR or anything. Go get the next one. Yeah. So, so that's you got to be careful when it comes to time theft. Um, in the shop, have a system that measures. You have to have people log into jobs. If people are doing everything by paper. I mean, I would encourage you to go to an ERP system, get a little closer to paperless, have people log into jobs and have that data accessible to you, uh, number one, and analyze the earned hours versus efficiency. And your back office, have clear and unambiguous expectations and have something measurable that you can put your finger on to make sure um, you're getting what you're paying for and, and it's fair and equitable for everybody. So, it's Yeah, Dave, I think what it looks like is uh, in terms of, in terms of the floor, in terms of operations, mm-hmm. um, let's say it's a 50-50 split between labor and material and um, outside processing and indirects, right? So 50% of your cost of goods sold is labor. If you're experiencing this time threat, time theft, um, I, I use those numbers so, so that we can do easy math. You could be losing 15% Easy. You could be hemorrhaging Easy. 15% of your time. Easy. Mix that with bad quoting capacity. And Yeah. And that's and why. And you'll never be on time. Never be on time. Always be in single-digit profits. I mean, this is this time theft is a big deal. It's a big deal. And it's just, this, this is a topic we had to talk about because people don't focus enough on having a really good culture. If you have a really good culture, people self-police and make sure everybody gets things done. Right on there. Right on my If you'd enjoyed this podcast and you're in manufacturing and you want to learn more about what we do, go to our contact tab at ebitagrowthsystems.com, E-B-I-T-D-A, growthsystems.com, and I'll be reaching out to you personally to see what we can do for you. You've been listening to the EBITDA Growth Systems Podcast, Making Business Profitable. 